Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we are covering a lot of fascinating need-to-know topics with our guest. Joining the Enlightened community today is Lisa Campion, a psychic counselor and Reiki master with more than 25 years of experience. Lisa is also the Dean of Students at the Reese Thomas Institute, a three-year energy medicine school. Based near Boston, she specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers so they can fully step into their gifts. Lisa is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Art of Psychic Reiki. She also hosts The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. So sit back, pour yourself a cup of tea, and pull out some pen and paper, because you're going to want to take notes as we discuss ways to live in this world as a sensitive. Being an empath can feel like a curse until you understand that the gift of empathy means you are meant to be a healer. In this show, we're going to be discussing ways to manage your energy so you can bring your gifts into the world. Welcome to the show, Lisa. We're so happy to have you join us. Oh, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. I'm I'm really thrilled to be here. Me too. We wanted to start with you just sharing with our listeners how you awakened to your intuitive psychic abilities. Kind of tell us the story of how you realized you were sensitive. You know, I um, I was really um, one of those kids that just grew up like had a gift from when, the time I was little, and I grew up in right outside Boston in the 60s and 70s. And at that time, there really weren't any psychics on TV. There were no New Age bookstores. It was something that, that I really had to be quiet about. <laughs> and, um, and I learned how to be quiet about it. I learned how to um, not, not talk about it, how to kind of pretend I was normal in public and fit in. And I, I spent really the first 20 years of my life trying to figure out how to turn it off, how to control it, um, fortunately for me, my parents were hippies and they took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10, because that's what you did when you were a hippie in 1974. And I, I had sort of a, a strangely unusual spiritual upbringing, you know, for, for back then. And my parents were, who were sort of into this, took me to this thing in the eighties. It used to be called Silva mind control. Now it's called the Silva method. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was so powerful, and I learned, they did a lot of meditation. That's the first time I heard the word, people talk about guides, you know, and I was like, well, that explains things, you know. And um, it's so funny, when I was doing, um, when I was doing the um, transcendental meditation, I was, I was brought back into the room with the guru, and he, was, he sort of looked at me, and then he looked at me again, really kind of hard, and um, through his translator, he said, oh my gosh, honey, he said, if you uh, were born in my country, we would know what to do with you. But you're going to struggle here a little bit until you, um, you, until you were grown up. But then things are going to come together for you, and you're going to help a lot of people. So, so have heart, have faith. And I was wow. I, I know. And I was like, I remember just crying and being like, Oh my God, thank you. Like, so I had these like really kind of amazing um, touch points throughout my childhood, and. Um, and really spent so much time trying to figure out how to manage this on my own, like sort of school of hard knocks way that when I did get that, then I, then it was when I was in my twenties, it was the new, new age it was the middle of you know, the eighties and the new age was on and it's sort of all of this thing hit, hit sort of more of a mainstream consciousness. And you could say that you are psychic. And I studied with some of the best psychics um, around who, who were writing books and teaching at that point. And that's when I started 
um, that's when I started working as a psychic. And I don't know why you do things when you're 19. Like, you, I don't know why I thought I could do it. I just did it. Like, it was what I knew I was for. So I started and I wanted to, um, to, to really help people more than I could by just delivering the message. So I studied um, counseling and psychology and, and kind of blended that into the work that I was doing. You know, people would cry. I would t tell them what I thought, and they they'd cry because I was only 19. I'd be sort of like, "Now what do I do? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do." And they cry. So that's when I studied counseling and psychology. And then about 20 years ago, I I really wanted to find a way to work with people's energy field and to get inside their body. I was starting to see things happening inside the body. I was really seeing the energy field and didn't have a language or a context to understand that. So that's when I discovered Reiki um, and added then energy work, um, full spectrum healing that I do in the energy medicine school and Reiki into my practice. So that's kind of, and, and I really feel very strongly, very passionately about helping other people, like working with emerging psychics, healers, sensitives is really my life's work because my gifts were pretty extreme back in the day, but I feel like now they're normal. Like the, they're Teenagers that I see, young people that I see have that level of ability. It's very common. And I think that we're all doing um, things that awaken our, our psychic and intuitive abilities. We do Reiki, we do yoga, we do meditation. This wakes us up. And I think there's a general call right now that the healers on the planet are being called. They're waking up. Their gifts are waking up. And they're, uh, the people um, that we're meant to serve as clients and we're meant to help their issues are waking up. So there's this huge um, awakening that's happening uh, for all the sensitive healers and empaths to me, super exciting. Like I'm like, this is like, you know, so, so happy for me. And I, and I feel really called to help people own their gifts because I think the world needs all the healers can get now more than ever. I absolutely love that. And it's so, so, so much. This has been coming up over and over and over lately is it's go time. This is yes. what we came for. Yes. And everyone is, a lot of people are embracing this with their, you know, throwing their arms wide open and saying, oh my gosh, it's finally here. And other people are, are getting kind of slammed energetically all of a sudden feeling like, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? So mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely fabulous the way you put that. Also, and, and this is going to, as you were speaking, I was thinking about for a lot of folks, Reiki is almost like an entry level drug. They get into yes. Reiki because that opens up other things. That's exactly how I describe it. it Reiki, yoga, and meditation are the three yes. ways. They're the three entry points, you know, and I, and that Reiki is mine. That's what I do. You know, that's how I open the door for people. And, um, and I, I just, it's so exciting to me that, and, you know, back in the day, like years and like, Many years ago, these things were only things you could find if you went to a mystery school. Like you could, you know, go climb the mountain and go to the monastery in Tibet and wait for years, and they and they let you in and they teach you Reiki yoga and meditation. Exactly. And now it's everywhere. It's which I think is incredible. I'm mean, like, it's so it's such a thrilling time, really, to be a healer. You know, Dr. Julie Bichelle, who helps manage the Windbridge Institute, who researches mediums. She did a really great interview with Skeptico podcast where she said her goal is to see mediumship and all of this woo-woo stuff that we talk about on this show, and I'm sure you talk about on yours. Her goal is to see it so mainstream 
that one day there will be an accredited college where you can actually get a degree in all of this. Yeah, and I thought, what a great vision. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about Reiki, too, because Reiki, you know, I live in Boston. We have some of the best hospitals in the world here, arguably. And many of them, all, almost all of them, have big complementary and alternative uh, medicine departments. And Reiki is in the forefront of that. So you can go to any of the big city Boston hospitals here and call to the, you know, the CAM unit and they'll send Reiki people pre and post surgery. Well, if you're Dana-Farber receiving cancer treatments, they, you can have Reiki while you're getting your treatment. And, and, they're, and these hospitals are doing research on the benefits of Reiki. Um, and it's really um, so heartening to me that it's kind of hitting the mainstream in that way. Now, in your book, The Art of Psychic Reiki, why can you tell people why you put psychic and reiki together like why do you call it psychic reiki yeah you know i think it's because i've been working as a psychic for for really my whole life um that i feel like reiki you know when we do reiki we sort of um evolve it or blend it with whatever else we're doing reiki lends itself to that very well and i think it's part of how reiki evolves and should should evolve um, so I'm a psychic and I do Reiki, so I tend to attract um, students that are sensitive, that have latent psychic gifts, that are empaths. And what I notice is that as people were studying Reiki, if they had those things, it got stronger. And it was one day, um, one of my students came to me and she said, you know, I think, you know, I'm studying Reiki and I actually stepped away from it because I got scared. I was seeing colors around people. I was seeing things that I didn't understand. I was having, you know, I was doing Reiki, minding my own business and the, my, my client's dead mother came into the room and, and wanted a message and she said it scared her so much that she never did Reiki again. And I was like, wow, that's unfortunate. Like that's sad to me. That was really sad. And so I, as I was teaching, she just needed training. She just needed help to understand. She needed a contact. She needed basic knowledge around how those things go together. And I, so I started when I was teaching Reiki 1, which I find Reiki 1, if you're an empath, Reiki 1 will really increase your sensitivity. So I started teaching energy, basic energy management basics, how to ground, how to clear, how to protect yourself, how to manage your energy inside a you know Reiki um, treatment and also inside your life because it made people more sensitive. And then Reiki 2 really will pop open your um, psychic ability if you have any. Um, whatever you have, it'll get stronger. The, those Reiki symbols really do it. The Reiki symbol, the second uh, Reiki symbol we teach um, for, for emotional healing, uh, Say Hey Key, works, opens the pineal gland and will just open your psychic. And I think this is a good thing because if you think about empaths, being able, it's empath, being an empath is like a built-in MRI, MRI x-ray machine. It's in a perfect diagnostic tool for a healer. You put your hands on somebody and you feel in their body, you feel in your body what they're feeling in their body. You feel their emotions as your emotions. It's like excellent information if you're a healer. And if you're getting psychic information, you're just going to serve your clients more and more. So in my mind, those, those things go together like you know, really in a way that's super powerful for the clients that we're working with. And people need help. They need training. They need to work through the fears that they have around that. They need to have a context for understanding 
They need to learn discernment and energy management practices so they're not, um, you know, we, it's, like, it's like being street smart. When we have the right information, we can go fearlessly into new territory and we're fine. That's really why I started teaching them together. That's a beautiful description. It truly is. So what are some steps that people can do to strengthen their psychic skills? Because I think everyone has the ability. I, I think we all come that way. And it just yeah, depends on how wide you want to open the door. Yeah, me too. Well, I, I want to really <clears throat> answer that question by um, starting to make it a distinction between intuition and psychic. So I, d I make a distinction between these two. Intuition is like our inner knowing, you know, it's our own knowledge, our, our personal wisdom. And it has to do with the body's wisdom. So what, what, we, what our body knows to be true and that when you have good intuition, you feel stuff in your body. Maybe you feel like queasy tummy flips or you feel, I always feel it in my stomach, happy tummy flips, you know. Um, and then we feel um, our emotions. And if you know anything about the chakras, the intuition is our first three chakras. The body and the emotions, which is the second chakra, which is I, I have a good feeling or bad feeling about this and the emotions that go with that. And then the third chakra would be the gut. I don't know why I know, I just know. Those things together, and when they agree, when they're in agreement with each other, that's our intuition. And it's, it's like an instinctual knowing that comes from inside of ourselves. And I feel like this is especially the one that everybody has. And we need to, it's so practical, it's so useful, it's so grounding to be able to trust our intuition, our instinctual self to tell us what's going on, what's real. Because our mind is a little tricky and our minds can throw us off our game, like reality in a way. Like if somebody walks in the room and you're, you're like, your intuition's like, I don't really like that person. I don't know why. I just get a creepy feeling and it doesn't feel safe. Or your mind walks, somebody, you, you know, and then your mind says, well, why are you thinking that way, Lisa? That person's a perfectly good person. Everybody else likes that person. What's your problem? Like be a good person and like that person. And so you override your intuition. And I'm sure you all know that, you know, if you can follow that story to the end in your own life and know eventually you're, right. you're proved right, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think for especially healers, you know, and, and really for everyone, we need to cultivate our intuition. We need to learn how to trust ourselves, to trust our body, to trust our inner knowing, our feelings and our gut. And to do that, and that this is really the first stage of psychic, of developing all of these things. Um, we need to pay attention. So that's something that people don't do a lot. They get it and they dismiss it. And then we need to act on it. Not every crazy, following every crazy whim, but acting on it enough so that uh, we sort of build that muscle. We build, we live a little more. 51% of the time, let's say, you're going to follow your, your intuition. We begin to sort of walk our talk, you know, and that really builds our intuitive muscle. And when, when intuition is strong, we can sort of layer on psychic. And psychic, the way that I define it, is information that's coming from outside of ourselves. So your guides, your, your soul, or really your soul is yourself. God, the divine, your angels, your departed relatives, your healing guide, whoever team, whatever team is kind of working around us, especially as healers, um, we, need, we can develop the ability to get communication from outside of us. That's psychic ability. And to develop our psychic, there's a lot we can do. Um, I think we need, we need to make time 
to listen. So meditation is quite good. I favor um, using divination tools like cards, pendulum. Um, I really like having, I uh, recommend that my, and I recommend this in my book, that people start a psychic journal where they begin to write down the experiences they're having, writing down your dreams and learning to do a dream interpretation. Write down every hit that you get. Write down when you, if you pull cards or run your pendulum or pull runes or whatever divination tool you like, write that down because they can confirm a lot of times our hits. And write down the signs and omens that we receive in the world. And when we collect this all in one place, it get, we'll notice, first of all, you'll be amazed how psychic you really are. And second of all, You'll, you have sort of like, oh, yeah, I had that. I forgot that on Wednesday. I thought that was going to happen. Now it's Friday, and it did. So that's kind of my basic formula. Build the intuition and then layer on psychic after that. Thank you. So perfect. Are you saying that intuition is more with the lower chakras and psychic yeah. is more with the higher chakras? That's how I define it. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're always – we're always receiving information through all of our chakras. That's really what they do. They, they are taking in um, on every, on the levels that they operate on, that they exist on, they're taking in information there. And it, it's just my, sort of it's a semantic thing, I guess, but my feeling is that the lower chakras are very tuned to our inner wisdom, our own uh, self understanding what's going on in the world. And it's the upper chakras that are connecting from outside of the self. That's more of the psychic stuff. I love that. Now, how can people use Reiki to open their psychic ability? Do you think it's best to start by just doing Reiki on yourself, or do you think it's best to practice with others through a Reiki share circle? You know, I think anything is good. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of self-Reiki. Um, in fact, I have a Facebook page called Psychic Reiki. It's a, it's a clo closed group for my students and right now we're doing a 30-day self-reiki challenge because I forget myself to do and I to do self-reiki and I wanted to do it myself um, and then I invited other people to join me and I think one of the things that amazes me or about reiki the most is that it, there's so many powerful self-healing opportunities and not every um, energy style or healing modality has that and I mm. what I notice is that people who do a lot of self-reiki have very very strong reiki so that, that's in a way my core practice for people. Then, of course, the more you can get your hands on other people, the better. So, uh, you know, Reiki, everybody, Reiki, your dog and your cat and your spouse and your, you know, then when you get tired of that, go to a Reiki share and put your hands, you know, on a lot of other people. And, um, and really practicing makes it stronger. I also think that um, adding spiritual practice into the mix is very helpful. Um, spiritual practice, meditation, yoga, tai chi, whatever you like to do, prayer, whatever you like to do really opens the channels more and gives you a stronger Reiki vibe. Exactly. Um, you talk a lot about empaths in your book, and obviously that's, that's a big part of our audience, a huge part. How would you, for me, empath and intuitive often walk hand in hand. And I think a lot of empaths are trying to step into their psychic or their intuitive skill set. Uh, so how do you define the difference between an empath and, say, just a highly sensitive person who's intuitive? 
You know, I think they go together. Uh, all empaths that I've ever encountered tend to be super intuitive and also quite psychic. Now, I've met psychics that aren't empaths. Yes. You know what I mean? I've met psychics that are fabulous psychics, and they don't have an empathic bone in their body. Um, and that there's nothing bad about that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just another skill set. Our gifts are for some other thing, you know. Um, they tend to be like visionaries or mystics, you mm -hmm. know. They're kind of bringing in new information. And I know some brilliant psychics that don't, um, that don't have the empath thing. So, but I see empath, psychic, healer, in, intuitive is all the same person in a way. And if we could call an empath a healer and understand that, you know, I think really all empaths are called to be healers. That's the easiest way I can put it. And, and not, maybe not table healers like I am. Maybe they're, you're called to work with animals or to be a kindergarten teacher or to just, you know, hug the trees in the forest or somehow, like somehow to bring the love. You know, we're here to bring love. We're here to, to connect deeply with people on a deep, compassionate, emotional level and bring healing to those people wherever we are, however we do it. There's many, many ways to do it. And, and I think that um, that intuition and psychic ability are part of the gift of the healer. I agree. So they, they really go together as a package, I think. And they need extra help. So empaths, you know, really need extra care. They need extra, they need sort of a very specific knowledge set to handle that multitude of gifts and until I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time on your show but until they really learn those things they suffer a lot they feel like it's a gift uh, not a gift it's a curse they want to give it back they feel tortured or tormented they're they have depression anxiety sometimes they have addictions um, you know and, and it it's a it's a like so here's a great story I have, I had this Reiki student, she's a fabulously talented Reiki person who felt really called to work as a, in hospice, which I think is a, you know, hats off to her, like, God bless her, like, that's work that needs to be done, and she's great at it. And she would go into the hospital, and she would sit, she was a nurse, so she was a hospice nurse, she would do Reiki, and then she would get um, home, and she'd be on the couch for, like, days afterwards. She called me once, and she said, Lisa, I'm going to have to stop. Like, I can't keep going. Like, I have fibromyalgia. I'm, dep I'm depressed. I can't get off the couch. I I'm not there for my family. Like, it takes me, like, weeks to recover. I'm I can't do this anymore. And I really got sad. I, again, I got, got sad. I was like, wow, we can't, I can't, we can't be having that. Like, she she's, needs to be out there doing her work. So I worked with her for a while on, on how to manage her energy, how to ground, how to clear, how to protect herself, how to refill her tank, um, and how to, to really manage her energy in this very difficult environment of a hospital in a hospice situation, which is maybe the most difficult I can think of mm -hmm. for, for a sensitive person. And when she practiced these basic fundamental skills that I think all empaths need to learn, she was able to get off the couch and go back to work. And and I think there's this catch-22 where we're called to be in the world with our gifts. And until we learn this, um, these energy management practices, how to manage our energy in the world, it's hard to do it. And I think when we can't do it, we feel this sort of spiritual depression that we're, we're not living in our gifts. We're not able to fulfill our life purpose, which is also painful. I absolutely love that because the way you just described that, because I, I, truly feel that as we become more sensitive and the energies become more intense, 
that is such a vital, vital part. I was doing readings down on the coast a little while back and I came home and I was just feeling drained. And I, I know the person that I was working with that kind of pushed, pushed energy that I hadn't protected myself enough. So I think that's an important fact too, is it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this or what level you're at. It's so, so important to energetically protect yourself and not pull in everybody else's stuff like a sponge. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I think empaths need to look at psychic protection, grounding, and clearing the same way they look at bathing and brushing their teeth. Me too. It's like psychic hygiene. It's just the, yeah. that's the word that I use for it, psychic hygiene. So you're, totally we have to do it every day. And then you have to do, you know, we have to do our daily practices every day, sometimes every hour. Like I do it between clients. So I, I see a bunch of clients in one day. I, I go to the ladies' room in between and I do my ground, clear, protect, wash my hands and reset my field for the next session. Then I do a bigger thing at the end of the day. You know, if I, if I have to go into the store, those big stores really are hard on me, those big supermarkets and things. If, if I have to go there, um, you know, I, I was just sadly at two funerals. I had two funerals this week. And the funeral home is probably my number one difficult, challenging environment for a psychic and an empath. So I, I was like, before I went in, I was like, you know, and, and then after I came out, the same thing I had, I do, I spend a lot of time just, you know, every day, just learning how to do this. Like I go to the gym or like I eat, I, I eat well. And then really like every week I do something like some, I get a Reiki session myself. I have somebody clear my energy field. I go walk in the woods with my dog. I do the things that are bigger things that I know when I've been really challenged. And it's just part of my life. It's just part of what I have to do to function and, and do what I came here to do. It takes a while to get there. It takes a while to make all of that a habit. It is a habit. Do, it's totally a habit. It and, it, and we have to do it like a habit. So if you want the habit of, if you want to be in shape, go, you know, get physically fit, you have to change your habit. You have to go to the gym every day or every other day and you have to do it for six months and then you're in shape and then you can't ever stop. You know what I mean? It's like, this, this is how we have to handle this. And I mean, it, yes, it's something we have to do, but I also think the rewards that we get from doing it are, are incredible. I mean, indescribable. Like, you know, all of a sudden you can do what you're meant to do all of a sudden who wants to be depressed and on the couch and sick. You know, we, no, nobody wants that. We want, we all want to be happy and be able to be in the world and do what we came here to do. So I don't know. I, I find it um, liberating. I find it empowering and um, hopeful, you know. So I teach these energy management basics to, to my, my students and they cry. They're like, oh, my God, finally, I have hope that I can actually be in the world. It's beautiful. Well, you're your book, The Art of Psychic Reiki, became a bestseller, which is phenomenal, and hats off to you for that. Now you're working on a new book called The Energy Vampire Cure, which I'm so excited. We hope, we hope to have you back on the show when that comes out. Can you talk to listeners about your definition of what an energy vampire is and why they're, I don't want to say becoming so popular now, but why they, they but yeah, I guess they kind of are. So I really think that this is a topic that's entered the mainstream um, conversation in a powerful way. Um, I see it as 
as a really good thing and as sensitives as as people are really owning the empath more and more people are going oh my gosh i'm an empath it's almost like the next thing we have to discover or next conversation we have to have is how do we manage our energy and relationship with other people and the truth of the matter is we're we're terrible at this every unless you know unless you're like the buddha or some spiritual master we we don't have really a good conscious way to manage our energy field. So I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely psyched that we're starting to talk about this. That, and I see this um, energy vampire craze as a way to be open the conversation to. We we all have to learn how to manage our energy. Basically, we all we're all terrible at it. So we all suck at it. If you don't mind the pun, and and we. Our learning how to manage our energies, our business. Nobody will do it for you. And I, I do feel like there's a little bit of a, um, a blame kind of freak out that happens. Like we would love to have be able to throw the blame of all of our problems on those horrible energy vampires, and you know get it, get like kind of excited about that. And I I think yes, it can. It's a problem, but it's really our problem. It's our problem. Nobody cares about your boundary, your your protection, except for you. Nobody can do it except for you. And basically, I feel like 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, we're crashing around unconsciously, stealing energy from each other all the time. Um, and that's just the way we are as humans. So I'm not you know, really going to be a person that's going to heave garlic or throw holy water on somebody and in the blame in a blaming kind of way but i am super excited about the conversation we chatted about this a little bit before we got on the air about a lot of people will define an energy vampire just from more of a predator type of view yeah but you you've identified three kinds of of energy vampires that you're going to detail more in your your upcoming book would you mind chatting about that for a moment sure yeah i think what most people um think about when they think about an energy vampire is it's sort of the smallest category and it's this is a very predatory type person um, and we're, we're looking at um, people that are in the sort of personality disorder spectrum narcissists you know not, not just narcissistic tendencies but narcissistic personality disorder borderline personality disorder psychopathic personality disorder sociopathic you know th- that's thankfully very small 0.5% of the population, and certainly they exist. They're around. Probably we've all encountered one or two. I know I have, you know, and they're very tricky. The these super predators, um, they're, they're, they can be very dangerous because they are, um, you know, I mean, the definition of a psychopath is that they don't care. Like they don't have the uh, emo- the ability and they've, there's been a lot of like research on their brains and their the way their brains form that they are sort of missing the you know brain connection that leads to empathy. I have a theory that they're sort of brand new baby souls, so I like to look at it from sort of a, a a new soul, middle soul, old soul kind of spiritual evolution. Um, but I think those are the ones that people are really worried about. And and you could think of sort of the scariest con artist you've ever met or heard of and understand why people or the scariest psychopath that you've ever met or heard about and you can understand why people are, are worry about them because they are they are you know trouble for sure 
and they don't want to be redeemed really don't they often don't see that there's anything wrong with them they think you're the problem they'll sort of without mercy take everything from you your energy your time your attention all your resources your money and when they we've really drained you out of everything move on to another person without really any remorse so I think when people think about energy vampires this is the type that people think about but I think it's the most rare and there's a lot more mm -hmm. um, common ones that aren't really evil they're just you know not no they're not knowing how to manage their energy and they would be so would, like would the victim vampire be yeah. like the passive-aggressive person yeah the victim vampire is like um, somebody who really sees themselves as, as disempowered you know they don't feel like they have any energy oftentimes they don't know I mean they often don't know that they're doing that they're draining people um, I've talked to people that fall in that category and they're quite shocked or upset <laughs> when, they, when somebody tells them that they're doing this um, they, and they are they, they don't know how to get their energy from any other way so they learned maybe they learned as kids maybe they learned as adults that if they're needy if they're victimy if they're like poor me oh my god I can't do anything um, some of them are just trying to get through the day some of them often they often have real problems they have health issues or chronic health issues or they have addictions they have depression they I mean I don't think they wake up and say how can I how can I suck the life out of you today I don't think they have that thought um, they they might sometimes use guilt they you know as a manipulation or shame is a manipulation to get what they want um, but they're, they're just trying to get what they need like like everybody else and they they are hard to be around you know so we will feel tired um, it's this is a kind of per like you maybe you've had an experience where um, you get on the phone with a friend and she's got a rough relationship and she's talking about the same problems she's had with her spouse for the past 10 years or whatever and there's no real desire to change they don't you know she's not going to take your advice she just wants to complain and she just wants to complain and vent her feelings without moving forward and that happens a lot Pe sensitives and empaths who are meant to be healers often find themselves on the listening end of that conversation and it can be quite draining so I don't, does that sound familiar Have you guys ever had that experience all the time no never <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, so this is the kind where I think this is so much more common than the predatory type. And and that person, this is where I say it's on us to learn how to hold a boundary, to decide how much we want to give into those relationships, to say, like, I'll talk to her for five minutes, but not an hour. You know, I'll... Um, I'll let the phone, I'll let my phone ring to voicemail right now. I'll answer with a text or like, because we're empaths, like unshielded, unguarded, unboundaried, unpassed. We're like energy free lunch for people that are <laughs> drowning in their own pain and misery. And can, can we blame them? I don't know. Maybe I, I, I don't see them purposely trying to do this more often than not. Um, are, are, like they're maybe they're meant to be and they will come out of the woodwork so when you go into the supermarket they'll stop you in the supermarket and tell you all their problems and take an hour because you have the soul of a healer and they spot that they you walk into the supermarket your light shines and that drowning person's like oh my god they just feel it 
and and it's really on us to to learn like enroll them to be a client <laughs> and get them on your table and, and then if they pay for a session there's a more energy you know there's an even energy exchange or limit like it's on us to hold the, our boundaries so that we don't have to save every drowning person on the planet which would kill us i think that's such an important reminder because so many of the the victim vampire category they really do need help. They, they don't have that predatory, I'm out to get what I can get and, right. you know, everyone else can fall to the wayside. The, the victim vampire is more like drowning, like you said, and they wow. need our help. And the empath, we know intuitively that we're here to help others. Right. And I know I've had many friends who have been victim vampires. And as I've distanced them, myself from them, there's a part of me that says, well, Samantha, you really can't help them. So you should call them back. Maybe that's why you're here is to help people like that. And then I get sucked into that drain. It's like this energy drain and I'm, I'm the drain. you know? Yeah. Super hard. <laughs> because so past we really care. We really care and we can feel what they're going through. And this is why we have to learn how to have a strong boundary. And, you know, only you can decide, you know, what your, um, you know, where your boundary is. So I've, I've learned a few things, a few tricks, I, I never um, say any, yes to anything in the moment because um, I care in the moment. I feel somebody's need and I really care and I always say yes in the moment and then I, I'm, I'm overbooked. So I think I have to go away. I have to sit in a room by myself with my calendar <laughs> and contemplate like, okay, where am I really at with this? Like, do I have the energy for this? What are my other priorities? Can, is, am I a yes or no to this? And I have to feel it in my body, in my heart. And then I've learned a lot of really, 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 really nice ways to say no. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I love what you're doing. I'd love to help you. I'm just completely overbooked right now, but I wish you the best. You know? Uh, yeah, or, I have a really good friend who's excellent at setting boundaries, and she taught me two techniques. One is she called the magic five words, which is let me think about it. Yes. And that's a perfect thing to say because you're not saying yes, you're not saying no. Yep. The second tip she taught me is say no without an excuse following it. Don't say, no, I can't do that because, because she said oftentimes the person can manipulate around that. Well, I'll help you with that if you help me with this. Or, well, yep. I can switch the date for that. So she says, just say no and let that be your complete sentence. Right. Those no, two thank things you. No, thank you. It's a good one, too. Um, and and yeah. I think as empaths, we have to sort of find kind ways to do it, you know. And the other thing that I think we can do, I have this sort of um, interesting idea now about technology and how technology can help us. Like, I accidentally discovered the Do Not Disturb phone button on my phone. <laughs> and I was like, I had the most peaceful three weeks of my life. And I'm like, why is nobody bothering me? This is so awesome. And then I realized I had set my phone to Do Not Disturb. and that wasn't getting any texts or phone messages and I think there's um, there's a problem that we are available 24 7 that we think we should be available let your phone ring to voicemail take 24 hours to answer anybody anything don't and I I honestly have a chapter in my new book about how technology and social media has become an energy vampire that sucks the life out of us I think that is such a great tip. I'm so bad at responding to text. My, all my friends know it and they, they can't stand it. And one of my friends wanted everyone to chip in and get me an Apple watch so that I would be 
better at returning text. And I was like, no, I will never, ever be that connected to technology. I wanted to ask you, though, when I have that thought of, okay, Samantha, you're here to help people. Maybe you should engage this victim vampire. I also have this thought, is there an arrogance in that? Because I'm not here to help everyone. I'm not some, you know, spiritually enlightened master teacher. So is can the empath become, I don't want to say an energy vampire, but can there be a little bit of an arrogance in this, well, I'm here to help everyone type well, of thinking? There's two questions there, and I'll answer the second one first. Absolutely, an empath can become an energy vampire, and often do. And mm -hmm. this is a scary thing for them because they're sort of, oh, my God, energy vampires. And then if they let their tank, their energy tank get drained too much, they can easily become an energy vampire. And that's why, again, it's so important for us to manage our own energy and know where we are. If it Theoretically, you could, you know, save every drowning person, and we can't, and yet on a practical level, we can't do that. So I think it's every person's inner conversation with yourself around where you're going to do that. So my choice is I do it when I'm in my office with my clients and sometimes with my family because that's how families are, you know, like that's, we show up for our families. And then if, if I have other people um, who are asking for that, I'm going to, um, you know, decide, you know, on an individual basis, like wh whether I can help that person, how I can help that person if I'm going to, because there's really an, a, a never ending sea of people that need our help. And we're not the only empath on the planet. Like there, there, fortunately, there's many other people. Sometimes when I choose not to help somebody, I give them a card. I'm like, I can't, I'm really busy right now, but here's my friend. Here's my friend, Sue. And just go, you know, she's looking for clients or I think she can help you. Like we can sort of help people without having to really um, use our own time. So I spend a lot of time helping people find resources that they can find for themselves. Yeah. And pass, pass it on, share pass it that on. way. Yeah. So I'm giving, I share, you know, my, the overflow with my students, with my Reiki students, with, you know, um, and I, I just think, I really think there's, there's so many people that need our help. Um, somebody wants to help that person. Somebody will benefit from that connection. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The things that a lot of our, our listeners are concerned with is when they do open up energetically and they're being more sensitive empathically and also intuitively or mediumistic type tendencies that they're attracting other energies as well. And what could you tell the listeners as far as protecting themselves from things that may not be carbon-based or may yeah. not be their family and spirit. Cause that's a right. huge thing right now with people are opening doors without protecting themselves oh my and, gosh. and inviting shit a, in. Yeah. I have such a pet, a pet thing about that. And I teach a, um, I'm working on an online class right now called it's basic psychic self-defense. And I think it's a street smart issue. So a few thoughts on it. One of them is, the people that I see who are the most prone to doing that are people with a lot of gifts who have no training. So you're much more likely to be a ghost magnet or a spirit magnet if you have a, a, a lot of talent and no training. So I actually think the more we train, the safer it becomes. And I, I go back to my street smart analogy. 
Um, when, when you have talent like that, you light up the astral plane like a light. The more talent you have, the more psychic capacity you have, the more empath mojo you have, you literally light up the astral plane like a light bulb and things will come around, they do. And it's best to know, the more you know, the more you can train yourself, the more you can educate yourself, the safer you are. And to stay away from um, some of the more dangerous um, psychic practices, ghost hunting, if you, if you haven't been trained for it, is very, very dangerous. Spirit boards, Ouija boards, these kinds of things, if you don't have the proper training, can be very, very dangerous. And, and I think people sort of play around in that world um, because, I don't know, it's fascinating or they're not quite sure they believe. It's kind of like a game. And in my mind, in my experience of sort of helping people clean up a big mess after they've done that, it's a bit like chumming the water and then jumping in to see if sharks are real. Oh, that's a good analogy. Well, I don't really believe in sharks, so I'm going to chum in the water and jump in. <laughs> All right. that's You let me know how that goes for you. Um, and then they're like, oh, my God, it's a shark. What? And that's, I think, a lot of a lot of people have that experience. And I, I mean, it's movies we see and, and, and paranormal TV um, that we watch don't teach I, often wise practices. They sort of show what not to do, in my opinion. So I think... The more you know, it's, again, if you're street smart, so if you know what to do and you know what not to do, if you're street smart, you can walk around this, any city in the world and feel like you're safe, well, m mostly, right. you know? Yeah. And, and if you're not street smart, if you're bumbling around, if you have a lot, that's, that's really, like, dangerous. So the most dangerous is not having any training and bumbling around. Or opening up to toxic people that kind of open that door for you. I had a conversation last week with uh, a younger person who's incredibly, incredibly aware, intuitive, sensitive, who we had, who was going through a situation and finally said, I know exactly when I opened that door. And then was able to see the timeline of several years where it had been quite cyclical with bringing through the same patterns and lessons, yes. but could track it right back to opening that door without being protected. I think so. And I think they're all opportunities for lessons. So I tend not to freak out. I'm like, okay, what do we need to do to clean this up? Exactly. And, and what's the lesson? What do we need to learn? And I'm still learning. I mean, I, I spent 10 years doing house clearings when I was younger and dumber and didn't know better <laughs> and, and learned <laughs> so much the hard way of like really stepping into very dangerous situations without having really any clue and learning the hard way myself. So I, I have like a lot now standing on this side of it, I have a lot of opinions about that kind of um, work. And I know that I needed to learn those things. And some of it was quite difficult for me. And I was just going to say, do you think that ghost spirits, discarnates can harm us physically, emotionally, and or spiritually? How do, how do you view that? You know, I, I think they can. Um, I think mostly they fall into the category of energy vampire and that they're parasitic by nature, you know? So, um, you know, they can harm us like parasites harm us. They drain our energy, especially non-human non atta energy attachments, entities, um, which can come on people, you know, they just can, they're around. And the biggest thing that happens is energy loss. So they really fall into the category of, of energy vampire. I think in extreme cases, you know, um, they can really cause illness, cause energy depletion. Parasites don't generally kill their hosts. It's not, 
it's not really in their best interest to do that. But I think in ext- extreme, extreme cases, which I don't see very often myself, thankfully, there can be harm. I don't think it's that common, thankfully. But I do think we have to be careful that they can, they, most of the non, uh, you know, they can be like stuck dead people that are really in trouble. And they're like more, they're just like people. <laughs> they're just, they don't, they're really no different from people, except that they are, they can sort of latch onto us and take our energy they just happen to be dead. Again, also, it's not, I think, as common as people would have you believe. But I do see it. And I do think that's, again, it's a boundary issue. So when you have a good boundary and you have good internal strength, that works for everything. That works for physical people, dead people, and, and, and spirits and entities. And it comes yeah, back to exactly what you've been saying as far as educate yourself train yourself and build yourself confidence so that you're empowered right and you're not as easily led astray don't, or don't smoke a lot of pot and go to the abandoned mental hospital on halloween with a ouija board <laughs> please <laughs> just a tip and that is an excellent tip because that yeah. is a lot of people would think that was a great idea yeah no that's that's chumming the chumming the water and jumping in exactly it's a good example yeah, i know <laughs> you're writing about in your upcoming book are energy vampires in relationships. Mm -hmm. And you talk about how to cut cords and how to send healing to old relationships. One of the things you talk about is that physical sexual relationships can open up some things in that area. Could you talk about what you mean by that? Sure. I actually think it's one of the most common ways that we get vamped, you know? So, um, sexual relationships, which I think, especially as sensitive people, we have to be extremely careful about who we partner with sexually. And when you think about that, we are so open. We're so energetically open. Our body, we're literally opening our bodies to other people, you know, and there's this intense energetic merge. We, we're really mixing everything together when, in, and when we're having sex with somebody. And if we have a person that's in has love and reverence for us, we uh, gain energy from that, and that's sort of like what tantric pra- practitioners have been doing for you know thousands of years is learning how to build and strengthen their energy system um, using the highest vibrations we can love, reverence, respect, right? And I know we all have had experiences that were not like that, where we're not loved, where we're not being respected, we don't feel loved or respected, we may feel like we're being used or, or we're not appreciated and revered in those moments. And, and it, it is like, when we come together that way, it's sort of like doing an energy healing with somebody, the person with the higher energy field will often give their energy to the person with a lower vibration who walks away feeling awesome. And the person with a higher frequency will be like, I don't feel so good. So that, that is just something to be super mindful and super careful. And oftentimes, I, like when I work with people, I do sort of cleanup sessions. Are there still cord, energy cords? Are there still connections with people from our past? Because there's such an intense merging in those relationships. And I think I've seen it happen all the time where even a, a past lover who is long past can can hook us and continue to siphon energy out of our out of our field unless we clean that up and i've said that to a lot of people if you're highly sensitive be really wary of just hooking up with someone yeah because it, it's it's not it can take a big toll it can yes we have to be mindful of it and and choose relationships that are loving supportive reverential if when we can 
Right. Okay, Lisa, so as we are wrapping up, could you tell people what are some concrete ways just right today after listening to this episode they can do right now to ground, clear, and protect their energy? Because I think it's more simple than people think it is. Yeah, I think it, it can be, you know. So really thinking about what puts gas in the tank is a really good thing. Um, and I find, like, getting good sleep. Um, eating good, nourishing, clean food, um, breathing a lot. I favor, I love um, a bathtub with a lot of salt in it. If I've had a heavy day of psychic work or I feel really drained, I like the tub with the salt. Many empaths do well in nature, in the woods, walk on the beach, be in the, in the, in the woods, um, being around in the natural world is an excellent way to clear your energy field and fill yourself back up. And I'm also a big fan of, play and creativity, which is something that I think is very overlooked and undervalued by our society. So think about you could you could do like a little homework assignment and write a list of 10, 20 things you know that give you energy and put it on your fridge and do something every day on that list that, to put gas in the tank. So we need to think about gas in, gas out, right? And if we're constantly mm -hmm. giving gas out, we have to put gas in or we really burn out and that's when we run into problems as sensitives those are great tips thank you so so much so guys if you want to check out her book now it's the art of psychic reiki where can people find that it's on amazon and barnes and noble any of the big book book outlets have it perfect and your website is lisacampion.com c-a-m-p-i-o-n and we'll link you up to that on our facebook page and in the show notes and your book, um, The Energy Vampire Cure, is coming out soon. And will you come back on the show when that one is in publication? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I would love to. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Again, it's lisacampion.com. We really hope you check her out because she is obviously, as you all have just heard, a wealth of information. What I like about your work, I really, really loved reading The Art of Psychic Reiki. It helped inspire me. I'm going to get back into doing Reiki on myself because that's one of the things I took away from it. So often we're focused on doing Reiki on others, but it's a good, good reminder for everyone to get back into doing Reiki on themselves. And if you're thinking about, is Reiki for me? Will it help me awaken and strengthen my psychic abilities? Check out her book because it'll really break it down the nuts and bolts of what Reiki is and how you can use it for energy healing and for psychic development. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to always show up, do great work, and share your light. Have a great week. Bye-bye.